From the Edwin Cardinal O'Brien Pastoral Center in Washington, D.C., home base for the Archdiocese for the Military Services, this is Catholic Military Life, the only official podcast of the Archdiocese. I'm your moderator, Taylor Henry, and today our special guest, Major Andrew Sanchez of the U.S. Army Reserves, who is a co-sponsored seminarian, uh, currently enrolled at Notre Dame Seminary in New Orleans. Welcome to our microphone. Thank you, Taylor. Appreciate it. And uh, so let's start from the beginning. You have prior military experience. That's right. Uh, Tell me about that. So I was four years active duty as an Army dentist. Uh, I went to Louisiana State University for undergraduate. I decided I wanted to uh, go to dental school, which I did. And I quickly learned about the Health Professional Scholarship Program, where the Army paid for my dental school. And I returned service with four years of active duty Army dentistry. And where were you based? I did a, a one-year residency at Fort Campbell in Kentucky. Then after that, I uh, did two years at Fort um, Fort Wainwright in Fairbanks, Alaska, and then my last year in Fort Polk, Louisiana. And so you could have had a career as a dentist, making big bucks, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, what was it about the priesthood that called you? Yeah, it was um, solely God calling. Um, so. When I became active duty, I had to kind of decide what my faith would look like for me. Um, Before that time, I was kind of nominally Catholic, um, practicing my faith, but maybe not knowing why or or not going any deeper than that. And then my first year active duty at Fort Campbell, I had um, a desire to grow my faith and to learn more about my faith. Um, There weren't many opportunities. I didn't go to um, Mass on post. I went to a small... um, parish in Kentucky, Oak Grove, Kentucky, and uh, just wasn't a lot of opportunity for me to learn more. Um, but after that one year in Kentucky, I, I moved to uh, Fairbanks, Alaska. And at Fort Wainwright, there was a, a really close-knit um, military installation uh, Catholic parish that I fell into with uh, active Bible studies, a great young adults group. And then for the first time in, in my life, I met a young a military priest, military chaplain, who um, first time I met a priest who would talk about football and drinking beer and and, and things like that. So I I think uh, subconsciously I kind of started to open up to the idea of priesthood then. Um, He had a follow-on army chaplain priest who uh, I really identified with personally. He was an an army biologist before becoming an army chaplain, active duty army chaplain, and uh, I identified with his personality and it was that priest who one day gave a homily um, geared towards vocations. In fact, let me let me back up a little bit first. When I when I moved to Fairbanks, Alaska, um, I I took a I drove um, to Bellingham, Washington, and took a, a ferry from Washington State to Haines, Alaska. And on that ferry, I met a, a beautiful young lady, um, a, a kind, loving uh, person, someone I can imagine spending my life with. And, and we soon entered into a relationship and, and started to talk about marriage, uh, maybe about a year, a year and a half in. So this is um, about a year, year and a half in Fairbanks at Fort Wainwright. And we're talking about marriage and we're discerning, you know, uh, whether we're called to, to get married. And she was baptized Christian, but wasn't practicing a faith. She was kind of agnostic. And um, as we talk about marriage, there's this kind of anxiety that kind of raises up. We're talking about raising kids, and she's not practicing any faith. I'm Catholic. 
um, how, how are we going to do this? How are we going to raise kids? How are we going to have a family? And, you know, things like that. There's a little bit of anxiety. Um, so I, I eventually share it with her, and it was difficult for both of us. But um, b- back to where we left off, um, uh, one, one day, um, it, this was a little while into discerning marriage, and, and the anxiety is starting to rise a bit. And that, that priest that I, I personally identified with, he gave a homily geared towards vocations. And he says, uh, it was the gospel passage where Christ says to St. Peter, get behind me, Satan, you think as man and not as God. And the priest said to me, you know, sometimes that, oh, I'm sorry, he said to the whole congregation in his homily, um, sometimes we think as men and we think about what we want, but we don't think as, as what God wants, what God may be calling us to. And I felt like he was just talking to me. Um, and I felt like God was calling me to at least consider priesthood. Um, so I shared that with him, and he said, okay, um, stay close to the sacraments. Um, go to mass, daily mass when you can. Uh, go to confession when possible. And pray in front of the blessed sacrament. And he also shared with me that, he said, you know, the only way you know if you're called to priesthood is to go to seminary, because in seminary you can discern if you're called to priesthood, decide whether you're called to priesthood you don't have to know you're going to be a priest in order to go to the seminary. So when he said that, I said, well, that's easy. I just have to go to seminary. But it was easy to understand, but much harder to put in action because that meant I had to break up with my girlfriend, um, which I did. And it was easily one of the hardest things I've ever had to do. Um, a time filled with great sadness and loneliness. I, I lost my best friend at the time. But at the same time, the anxiety and the uncertainty about my future, the anxiety just completely disappeared. And, and this peace of God, the peace knowing that I was open to his call and open to his will, that peace just entered my life. And it brought me to seminary and it stayed with me through seminary. Um, and I'm in my uh, fifth, fourth, I'm sorry, yeah, going into my fifth year of seminary right now. And God willing, I'll be uh, ordained a transitional deacon next summer. And then a priest um, of Jesus Christ in uh, summer of 2021. Wow. So you're quite far along now. I am. And uh, you said, uh, tell me about the discernment process in the seminary. Yeah. So uh, seminary is a great place to really be giving time, given time to grow spiritually, grow as a human, um, and really just take time to say, am I, give time to God in the church to say, am I called to, to, to be a priest, you know, to learn more about what priesthood may look like, um, to learn more about what the lifestyle of a priest may look like, and uh, seminary kind of gives you a, a taste of that, and, and it helps to uh, uh, help you decide whether God is calling you to be a priest. And then in seminary, um, uh, we, we're required to have of regular meetings with a spiritual director. So the communication with a spiritual director is, is very valuable um, in helping us discern whether God is truly calling us. Um, it's, been, it's been brought up many times, and it, it's a great um, understanding of mine that um, I'm discerning whether I'm called to be a priest, but the church, through our formators, our, our faculty at the seminary, through my spiritual director, through the rector, the church is discerning whether or not I'm, I'm called to be a priesthood. So it's both sides. They help me decide whether God is calling me to the priesthood. 
So walk us through a day in the life of a seminarian. Yeah. So um, at, at my seminary, each morning there's um, the Blessed Sacrament is exposed in the chapel for us to go pray with. Um, it's not mandatory, but it's um, encouraged to pray in front of the Blessed Sacrament when possible. Um, so that's first thing in the morning, usually from uh, 5.30 to 6.30. Um, after that, we are required to attend um, morning prayer, which is um, at 7.30. We pray the Liturgy of the Hours, which is um, um, a series of prayers throughout the day that the priest makes a promise to pray. So it's a good habit for the seminary to a seminarian to gradually um, develop a habit of praying all of these uh, certain prayers throughout the day. So morning prayer and evening prayer are in community. So 7.30 we meet in the chapel and pray that morning prayer together. Um, it lasts about 15 minutes. And shortly after that, classes begin for most seminarians, 8, maybe 8.05, depending on the class. Um, typically, most seminarians have class most of the morning till about 11.30, um, uh, at which time we, we take a short break and then we come back together for a community mass at 11.45 with lunch to follow. Um, it's depending on your schedule. Some, some years, some seminarians may have a, one or two classes in the afternoon, maybe just on a Monday, Tuesday or Tuesday, Thursday. Um, and then there's kind of a break in general for most seminarians as a break in that two to three time frame until we meet again for evening prayer at 545 um, in the chapel to say evening prayer together. And in that break, it's mostly time for studying, um, physical fitness. Uh, so in that free time, we can go to the gym, uh, go for a walk, a workout, um, anything, uh, fill, fill that time with schoolwork and reading. Um, and then, like I said, after that break, we'll meet in the chapel again um, as a community for evening prayer at 5.30, or I'd take about 5.45. And these times and schedules will vary um, a little bit depending on what seminary you're in. They all have a different rule of life and different, um, slightly different schedules, but it's a, it's a general basic schedule. And then after, um, after evening prayer together as a community, we'll have uh, dinner. Um, and then from that, we're free for the evening to, to continue um praying or reading or uh, leisure time and then next day it begins again and then and then most weekends at, at my seminary uh, most weekends we're expected to be together on saturday mornings for mass together morning prayer and mass and then we're, we're free most of the saturday and then sunday we're expected to be together for morning prayer and mass as well um and then um, about a week, about one weekend a month, give or take, where we have what we what my seminary calls free weekends or open weekends, in which we're allowed to um, be off campus overnight, and we we don't have those commitments of attending liturgies and prayer at the seminary. We can go back to our home parish, visit family and friends, and uh, sleep maybe maybe at mom and dad's house or or, or wherever we uh, um, might be that weekend visiting. And your free weekends in New Orleans, uh, I'm sure you have a lot of good restaurants you can go to and a lot of cuisine yeah. that's second to none, right? That's right. In fact, um, my mom and dad are taking um, full advantage of me being in the city because 
even when it's not a free weekend, they'll take take the excuse of they live across the lake about 45 minutes. So even when it's not a free weekend, they'll say, oh, we're going to come see you this uh, this Saturday evening. Are you free for dinner or, or Sunday afternoon after you, you go to mass? Uh, can we can we come pick you up for lunch? So we, we, we try to hit a, a different restaurant each time and we have some, some local favorites we like to go to, too. So it's a pleasure to see them when I can't get away for a free weekend. So, yeah, absolutely. And tell me a little bit about the courses you take. Yeah. Um, so my first two years of seminary were, were called pre-theology, in which I took, um, so since I had, I had an undergraduate degree in biology, um, I did two years of philosophy in order to gain a, a bachelor's in philosophy. Um, philosophy really get, um, lays the groundwork for the studies of theology. Um, so that those two years of, philo- uh, of philosophy um, or just that mostly philosophy um, classes, um, anything from um, the history of philosophy to like uh, contemporary philosophy or the nature, um, um, natural natural philosophy, things like that. Uh, but also those first couple of years in what's called pre-theology or some programs will call it philosophy, um, had a few... Um, religious or theology classes, like an introduction to the catechism of the Catholic Church, um, a couple of introductory scripture classes each each uh, semester. Uh, and, and then after that, after that bachelor's program in philosophy, um, obtain that degree, and then begin um, the first of four years of a master's in divinity program, which is much more focused on, on theology. So you're both a scientist and a philosopher theologian, yeah. Which are fields that a lot of folks see uh, may think they're irreconcilable. I mean, if you believe in science, some think you can't believe in God. Yeah, yeah. Where to? How do you reconcile that in your own heart? And mind? No, no, it's a good point. In fact, it was quite a transition for me to study philosophy coming from a pure science background, but. Um, um, learning so much more about St. Thomas Aquinas and his kind of systemat- systematic thought and his philosophy and how it fed, it fed into his theology, um, I see the great value of uh, kind of the analytical side of science feeding into uh, the philosophy of Aquinas, and which, which the Catholic Church relies on hev- heavily um, for her philosophy. Um, and I think that um, a lot of scientists and maybe the secular world creates this false dichotomy that um, you either believe in science or you believe in God, but you can't believe in both. But I think history and good understanding of both fields will tell you that um, uh, God is the author of truth in both philosophy and, and science, and so they only complement one another. And that was, that was really a great pleasure of mine to, to bring my science background and into the philosophy and to see how um, they're mutually enriching and not um, not have that false dichotomy there. And what attracted you to the military? That's a good question. Um, yeah, I, since I was active duty army, I I took um, I did a a discernment retreat when I was active duty to kind of discern priesthood, but kind of at the same time to discern um, military chaplaincy, and you know. It wasn't anything, any huge revelation or it wasn't, I feel like it wasn't, God didn't make it more difficult than it had to be. 
I, I really remember one thing that Father Aiden, um, the vocation director for the Archdiocese of Military Services, said to me. He says, you know, if you enjoy the military lifestyle and you like serving um, the military um, uh, community, you're probably called to be a military chaplain. And I did. I appreciate uh, I appreciated as a dentist um, being able to serve those soldiers, men and women, who were training hard every day and who went off to, 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 to battle, to, to war zones. Um, I appreciated as a dentist being able to offer my abilities to serve them in the dental chair. And I see that directly correlating to the chaplaincy. Um, I, I feel privileged and honored to one day, God willing, be able to serve them spiritually as their chaplain. Um, so it transferred pretty well. Do you plan to continue dentistry? Um, when, I, when I joined the Archdiocese of New Orleans, the Archbishop um, asked me the same question. He says, you know, there's, there's a Daughters of Charity clinic right down the street from the seminary, and I'm sure they'd be happy to help to have you. Um, unfortunately, it took me a couple of semesters to get settled in, a couple of years really to get settled in. But over the past two years, I have volunteered my services at that clinic. And I've, I've also gone on a couple of uh, mission trips to Haiti to offer my dental services there. Um, I don't know what it'll look like as an active duty army chaplain. I don't think I'll, I'll have uh, the time or the ability to volunteer or practice dentistry, but um, I'm open to that if God has called me to continue to give, give back to his people in that way as well. So you're aware, I'm sure, that we have a tremendous shortage of chaplains right now in the military. Uh, do you have any concerns about walking into that situation where, uh, you know, you're not going to have a lot of help? It's, it's yeah. gonna, it, yeah. the, the odds are when you uh, do become a chaplain and you're assigned wherever, you're going to be the only priest there probably. Yeah, yeah. I, I would be dishonest if I didn't say there, were, there was no concern about that. In fact, we, we just met, um, we were just talking with our recruiter as a group and and he, the army recruiter, and he was saying, you know, it's it's going to be hard. Um, uh, the the army will uh will will have you working hard uh, since there is a shortage of priests. But I have no doubt that God, just like since entering seminary, um, I have no doubt that God will provide for me um, all of the the energy and the ability and the um and the help that I need to administer to those um, who He is calling me to minister to. We hear a lot about secularization, not only in the military, but throughout our society. Um, what do you think about going into uh, the priesthood, confronting all this secularization we see, both in the military and everywhere? It's all around us. Yeah, I, I feel, I, I feel like that's part of the calling is, um, just knowing, seeing the the world become more and more secularized, and people fallen into this individualism and consumerism, um, living for themselves and living to consume goods, um, is part of my desire to, um, God willing, become a, a witness to um, an, a higher life, a higher form of, of living uh, by being a priest, but also to tell them that, look, there's more to life than what we can buy or, or what we can do or um, you know, we're called to live in communion with one another, and we're called to live that communion out um, through interaction with one another and, and a deep, um, fulfilling relationship with God as opposed to that unfulfilling relationship that consumerism causes. 
So you're in the reserves now, the reserve. That's correct, yeah. Uh, so what kind of commitment is required yep. for that? So when I was getting off of active duty, ending my contract, technically I was getting out um, about two or three months early in order to attend seminary that year. So part of that um, early release, um, I agreed to sign an Army Reserve contract um, to act in my current job as an Army Reserve dentist. Um, so that contract was for four years, um, Army Reserve, and which is coming to an end just recently. Um, and uh, I'm attempting right now to transition out so that I can um, spend more time um, focusing on um, really giving myself to the community at the seminary as a, as a leader there and as a servant and as and particularly um, looking forward to um, diaconate ordination next summer where I'll be um, called to do a, an extended diaconate internship where I'll be uh, in a parish uh, serving the people of God there. And that will be in New Orleans? That's correct. That, that'll be through the Archdiocese of New Orleans. And when you were, um, uh, what kind of commitment would do in the reserve did you have? How much service did you have to provide? Yeah, the four, just four years. But I mean, like, was it? Oh, uh, like so it was, it was one weekend a month, and there's a typical Army Reserve commitment, one weekend a month and two weeks a year. Um, thankfully, I was in a medical unit that was very flexible in that, um, that it was made up of nurses, doctors, dentists, and they understand that most of those professionals have um, careers uh, in which they are uh, demanding, you know, in hospitals and things like that, private practices. So I was no exception, except that I was a seminarian with with a, a somewhat demanding schedule. So they were flexible with me, um, allowing me to um, reschedule a weekend. Um, I would I would make up some dates here and there, and and I was thankful. I was and am thankful for that. So, did you have to give up your free weekends to do this? Yeah. So that is a that is a very good question. And whenever I'm looking at my schedule for the seminary. And and then I get the Army Reserve schedule. Um, a, a little a little bit of a little bit of me kind of dies when I see that my Army Reserve training for the month falls on a free weekend, uh, <laughs> and it's always a bit of a struggle. But I think overall, it's a great lesson in surrender, and a lesson in yeah, just surrendering to God and saying, you know, this is what you want me to be doing right now, and. Uh, if it's your will, you know that's where I need to be. That's where I need to be right now. So. Now, what happens when your service fell on a non-open weekend? Was the seminary pretty good about letting yep. you go do that? And before before I entered the seminary, I checked with both my vocation director and my bishop for the Archdiocese of New Orleans, and so I checked bishop with Bishop Gregory Amon. Right? That that's correct. Archbishop Archbishop Gregory Amon, who is a great Archbishop, by the way, and he's um, I'm so thankful for his support of us as seminarians in general, and also his support of the Archdiocese for the military services. Um, but before entering, I checked with my diocese, the Archdiocese of New Orleans, and I checked with the rector of the seminary if it would be um, okay if I did my did Army Reserve training uh, one week in a month and, and that those two weeks a year. And they both agreed that it would be no problem and they would remain flexible. So on those weekends that it doesn't fall on a free weekend, I simply just um, let the rector, the vice rector of the seminary know where I'll be so that they have accountability, they know where I'm going to be. And I'm, I'm excused to miss the community mass and, and liturgy 
um, in order to do my training. But then I, I'll, I'll try to, I will um, go to go to mass on my own time because, uh, thankfully, and that's one of the beauties of being a seminarian and going to seminary in New Orleans, is there's a almost a church literally almost every block, and uh, <laughs> I can find many mass times to include a. I think there's a eight eight or nine p.m. Sunday night um, mass, so there's no shortage of masses and no excuse why I, uh, I can't get to Sunday mass or even daily mass for that matter. Uh, I think that late night mass is at Loyola University, isn't it? And that, that may be one. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, for the college students maybe. And one of the, uh, one of the uh, Archbishop uh, Amon's distant predecessors, uh, Archbishop Philip Hannon, mm. uh, who died not too long ago, several years ago, was a, 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 a military chaplain. That's right. Um, World War II era, I in fact, believe. Yep, that's right. Uh, yeah, I think you're I think you're correct. In fact, he has an autobiography, um, which is something to the effect of the title is uh, The Archbishop Wore Combat Boots or something like that. And it's, it's on my shelf and it's on my list to read. Uh, but uh, yep, there's a lot of seminary reading that we're assigned. And unfortunately, the, the personal reading takes back seat right now. So. Yeah, understood. Uh, so you're uh, wrapping up your theology now? That's correct. Okay, so uh, you'll be ordained a priest, uh, hopefully in 2021, mm-hmm. and then uh, uh, you'll do three years of pastoral work in New Orleans, correct, before you, uh, yep. so, uh, that being the terms that the uh, co-sponsorship program has, the AMS agrees with the home diocese that the seminary in which you come out you get some experience in in your home diocese before you uh, uh, before you go into the military. So uh, you're talking about uh, going on active duty in what 2024. That's right. And uh, wow, that's still a long time. A yeah, long, a lot of preparation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you're uh, uh, how do you feel where you're at now? I mean, you're 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 honing in on you'll be a yeah. de- uh, ordained a deacon next year, so you're right. nearing the end of your formal mm-hmm. education. Yeah. Um, what after that? That's that's a great question. Um, and um, so the first couple of years in seminary, those first first years in philosophy, I knew God wanted me to be in the seminary. I knew that's where I was supposed to be, and I was doing what I was supposed to be doing. Um, it was difficult, or maybe I was a little hesitant to think about priesthood, to see myself as a priest. Um, but over um, the last five years of formation, particularly the last two years, and even more in particular, my last two summer or my last three summers, um, I, I did a 30-day retreat in which I did the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius. Then I did a program for diocesan seminarians at the Institute of Priestly Formation. And both, both summers were um, great growth in the spiritual life in which I was able to um, really open my heart and really be healed by God and to recognize myself as a son of God and to also recognize that he is indeed um, calling me to be a priesthood, um, to, to be a priest and for Jesus' priesthood. Um, in, in the last couple of minutes we have, uh, to the listener out there, the guy who's thinking he might be called to the priesthood, that he might be called to the military chaplaincy, what's your advice? Um, I, I would say that the same thing that the priest who, who, who I shared my vocation with told me, stay close to the sacraments. Um, pray, pray frequently with God, 
um, daily, com- daily, daily mass if you can, confession when possible, um, and ask God. Truly open yourself to whether he's calling you to consider seminary, to enter seminary, and to be a priest for him and for his people. And what can the faithful do to support seminarians like yourself? I think if they they meet a young man um, who they can imagine um, being a priest or being a military chaplain, to to share that with that person, no matter how um, uncomfortable or hard that may be. Um, I know there were a handful of people who encouraged me. Um, some strangers who didn't know me so well saw me at daily mass and said, you know, you might make a good priest. And some people who knew me really well said, you know, I was praying the other day and, and God's telling me that, uh, that you should consider the priesthood. So if you have any inkling, um, any, any guidance from the Holy Spirit that's a young man or, or not so young man in, in your life um, might be called to the priesthood, share that with them and, and, and encourage them to be open to that call. Major Andrew Sanchez of the U.S. Army Reserve and a co-sponsored seminarian currently in formation at Notre Dame Seminary in New Orleans. Thank you so much for talking to me today. Thank you, Charles. My pleasure.